This week, MotoGP is in France. We talk about riding in a group and riding in the cold, and how to get in the zone, the danger zone. This is Crossed Up Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode six of uh, Crossed Up Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm Derek. And today we have a fun episode in store. Yeah, we do. Um, so, first things first, MotoGP, got to get it out of the way. Yep. Fantastic race today. Such a great race. It was. Uh, it, it was intense, unpredictable, wet, all the things you like in a race. Yeah, yeah. So, obviously, as usual, spoilers ahead. Yep. Today, we watched the Le Mans race, which is in France. They call it the Bugatti circuit, mm-hmm. and man, what what an absolute! So it's such a fun race. It was such a fun race. It was a really and race. every every twist and turn you could you you weren't sure what was gonna happen, and then you know so many things. Like everyone crashes out. <laughs> everyone crashes out. Um, Danilo uh, Petrucci, Davi. Rins and uh, Jack Miller all went into the same corner at the same time, four wide into yeah. a corner. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Rossi crashed out in the first lap, so no no two hundred. <laughs> yeah. No two hundredth podium for Rossi. Um, although I don't think anyone was expecting it from this this race, but it was just I immediately laughed as soon as he went down. I was like. <laughs> You're not getting your two other podium again. Um, yeah. And he's usually a pretty good wet weather rider. Um, there was a lot of stuff that was just unpredictable. Alex Marquez. Yeah. Alex Marquez brought it this race. He did. He really did. Yeah. I made a joke that um, we, at the end of the race, Alex Marquez was going to take off his helmet, and you'd see it was Mark Marquez the whole time. Because <laughs> yeah. he really, uh, he really brought his A game on this yeah. race. Yeah. Second. So just for uh point's sake, it was Petrucci in first, Alex Marquez in second, and Paul Espargaro in third, and then Davi finished up fourth. Yeah, yeah. Davi was doing great until his fire tire uh just completely fell away. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was kind of uh kind of very surprising. I, I expected Davi to do a little bit better, but I they Davi and Petrucci were really, really pushing uh pretty much the whole race. They they weren't going quite to the level of Mark Marquez when he's out in first and he's got like a four second gap and he goes, I still gotta go faster. <laughs> not not quite that level, but they were definitely pushing it a little bit and you could tell that it was it was very much came down to the just the tire just wasn't in his favor for this race. Oh, yeah, and yeah, it, it just it was not. Um, I think he made the wrong choice maybe yeah. for the rear tire, but then again, if he had gone for a medium rear, he might not have been. He might not have been in second yeah. the entire race. Yeah. So, but yeah, there were. This was a really really great race to watch. Very exciting. Tons and tons of great passes and just overall 
wet races are so fun to watch. Yeah. Alex Rins rejoined the race with a uh, uh, like a track marshal's race strap, yeah. like the strap <laughs> that they use to lift the bike up out of the gravel. Yeah. Um, he rejoined the race with one of those, and then it got stuck in his brake. Uh, and he yeah. had to pull over and rip it out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because like, he just he just went... They, they he, he slid off, low-sided, into the gravel. The marshals run over to help him pick it up, and then he just leaves. <laughs> yeah, he's left. Uh, and I guess one of the marshals had, like, started putting the strap on his bike, and he just drove off, and I'm sure the marshal just kind of was like, oh, okay, yeah, bye. Yeah. Um, there were two... Well, he got black flagged, but yeah. before he could get black flagged, he, like, before he passed the corner... He got a uh, a dashboard notification, and then the strap got stuck in his brake. Yeah. He took it out, and then he never got actually black flagged, yeah. because he never passed those marshals because <laughs> he had to pull it out of his brake. Yeah. So that was really kind of odd. Um, one of the really odd things that happened wasn't even MotoGP; it was Moto Moto Two, where they started the race without somebody on the grid. <laughs> uh, he was still on the track. <laughs> And I don't think I've... Sh I was going to show it to you before we started recording, but um, they start the race, and uh, they're like, oh, wait, there's someone still on the track. He's on, like, the last two turns. And then they start the race, and you see him come around the turn, and he's behind the Chase BMW. Yeah. And he passes the Chase BMW, and I'm like, those guys must have been like, what the hell just happened? Yeah. Like, <laughs> where did this guy come from? He, and, he just uh, went so fast, he teleported around the track. <laughs> I don't know how the, I, I don't know exactly how he got so far behind everyone else because it wasn't like he was the last person on the grid. He was in kind of in the middle of the grid. Yeah. And somehow, they just started the race without the guy. It was a train wreck of a day for Dorna, I think. Yeah. Um. But. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was but, interesting. Yeah. So. As usual, we keep the MotoGP segment short. Yeah. If you haven't seen the race, we highly recommend you go watch it because it was extremely entertaining. Yes. It was probably, dare I say, the most entertaining race of the season. It was definitely one of them. I think, I think the most entertaining race this season was the second race where the KTM's came out of nowhere. Yeah. And like just dominated. Yeah. Uh, and we were yeah. just. Like, happened like it was just such a shocking win that it, it made it a very entertaining yeah, race yeah. but throughout the entire race this race was interesting from yes. like what tires are going to wear uh is it going to rain now before the race or is it going to rain during the race like we know it's about to rain but is it going to rain on lap two or like right before we start the race and the yeah. answer is right before we start the race <laughs> yeah <laughs> which so, kind of screws a bunch of stuff up <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, yeah, we like to keep MotoGP under 10 minutes, so we're done with MotoGP. All right. Yeah. So. Um, so, Derek, could you say that uh, some of these people were getting into the zone before the race? <laughs> yes, they were. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping to do our ride. We could do uh, that. But... Uh, We'll just swap the segments. Let's, yeah, let's... Yeah, yeah. So, um... I we'll come after, back to it. I realized that after yeah, well, I said I was like, wait. It's okay. I was not prepared for that segue. It's okay. Uh, we'll come back to that. Um, our second segment, um, non-Cleavo GP, or I guess our third segment. Whatever. You can count. Um, 
we're going to do is a, a, a segment on getting into the zone, which will be pretty interesting. Um, so we also went on a ride with a new person yep. to our group uh, on Saturday. It was a very fun ride. It was relaxing. It had some really nice uh, um, curvy roads. And it was yep. a good mixture of like just normal street riding, fun riding, and by fun riding, I mean like fast riding and sightseeing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was our this uh, this individual is new to our area, so he was wondering where these good roads are. We just kind of turned them into a all day kind of ride around road trip. So it was uh, twisty roads punctuated with nice leaves, and then kind of a little bit of highway riding and a little bit of back roads riding. And yeah. It was a really relaxing ride. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think it was really kind of encapsulated a lot of what sport touring should really be. Yeah. Because uh, we talked about this a little bit, but when it comes to touring and sport touring, it's not about going fast all the time everywhere. It's about yeah. finding those nice roads and then enjoying the nice roads you know you don't have to feel the need to go 85 80 85 everywhere on yeah. every road just because you can yeah. when really there are some there's some things that you're gonna miss if you go too fast yeah yeah and i think um you know personally i enjoy i enjoy going f fast on some twisty roads when they're safe um but I also enjoy taking my time getting places as well. So um, yeah. I know, uh, you know, it, it all depends on who you are and stuff like that. But um, yeah. Yeah. one of the things I wanted to talk about was um, riding your own ride in a group. And how we ended up, that's how kind of we rode. Uh, yeah. I know that MSF and some other people talk about what order riders should be in. I'd like yeah. to talk about that a little bit. I remember... I'd actually, when I took my MSF course, I didn't go over this, and I think Fort Nine had talked about it, but I wasn't aware of it, um, that some people believe you should go slowest person first, and then faster people behind, or like least experienced person up front. And um, I have to say, I have to disagree with that, mm -hmm. personally. Um, I'll get into that in a second, but what do you... Because you had brought that up, so I was wondering, yeah. now that you've done some rides where that has that has worked out, and some rides where that has not worked out, yeah. Um, what's your opinion on... Yeah, yeah. So, I've always kind of been the person that sees both sides of a coin. And with, with the group ride coin, one, the one side that I find our group loves is the fastest riders in front mm -hmm. and then on the other side I see the safest way is putting the slowest riders in the front and I, I think that I kind of can understand both arguments where on on one hand you really do want to allow the people who are faster to enjoy going a little bit faster yeah but on the other side sometimes it's 
not as simple as just a blanket statement of ride your own ride. Yeah. Where you can tell people that, but it doesn't always translate 100%. There, yeah, there are definitely some people I can name who do not know how to ride their own ride. Yeah, yeah. And it's not always so much about it being 100% you tell them ride their own ride and they constantly try to ride faster all the time. Mm -hmm. But more just that when you see someone leaving you, it can kind of, even if you try to tell yourself, you know, I don't need to catch up. It can kind of cause you to even, no matter how unconsciously, bias yourself to to be more likely to outride your own skills. So I think that it kind of comes down to really how can how is there some kind of middle ground that can be met where people aren't going to be afraid of getting left behind but also aren't going to outride their skills yeah because frankly getting left behind sucks yeah yeah <laughs> so so i'm of the camp uh so there are two reasons because uh one of the things is that a lot of the slower riders are i don't know it seems to be a theme at least with the people i ride with that the people who ride on the slower side do not have gps's Mm -hmm. They don't have a navigation equipment. So yeah. when you give them a ride file that has, you know, every turn listed on it, they're not able to follow that because they don't have the right app, they don't have their GPS, they don't have a phone mount, something like that. So a lot of times whoever's in front is a more experienced rider who has a GPS or a phone mount or some way of following the track or yeah. the, the route. And um, so that just that's just one of those things that like you can't always put the slowest rider in the front because that rider might actually have um, might not be capable of leading a ride. Yeah. So there's that, especially with larger groups. Um, one of the reasons I like the faster rider up front is because your your all the bikes kind of stretch out, and in theory you should be able to keep the rider behind you in in view, depending on the length of the road. Sometimes it doesn't work out, but you should be able to keep an eye, and everyone's just kind of responsible for the rider behind them. And that's how I personally like to, to manage rides, is just make sure, like, okay, I, you know, especially when I'm leading, I'll make sure I see, like, the first four bikes, mm -hmm. and then, or, you know, the first half, and then make my turn, and, you know, make sure people understand in the group that you don't take the turn until you know the person behind you knows which way you're going. So you come up to an intersection or you're about to make a, you know, a, a turn onto another road or an exit on a highway and you make sure that the people behind you know which way you're going. Yeah. Um, that way nobody gets lost because you, every person knows, hey, I've got someone behind me I have to watch out for them, and you know the last person knows. Obviously, they should know that they're the last person. Yeah. And uh, just keep an eye on the people in front of you, people behind you. Make sure everything's okay. Um, so in general, that that tends to work pretty well for us. 
that starts to break down with certain personality types mm-hmm. who maybe don't like to stop as much. Personally, I don't care um, if I have to stop for people. I try to make that very obvious to people in the group. And I'll say, hey, ride your own ride. At the end of this road, I'm going to be waiting for you. Don't worry about it. Like, just do whatever you want. Take your time. I'm going to enjoy myself. I'll see you at the end. And, I'll, you know, I will wait. I'll make sure that everyone, especially on, like, a really technical road, I'll wait for everyone to show up. Because if someone does have an accident, um, half your group will, most likely, if someone, like, in the middle has an accident, half the group will split up. Mm-hmm. And so you wait for everyone to show up if there, you know, is a long pause and you're like, I know they didn't fall a minute and, like, 90 seconds behind me. Yeah. That's too much time. Turn around, start heading back, and uh, you know it, sometimes that you know that does happen. Yeah, um, people make mistakes. So personally, I'm I don't I don't want to say I, I I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase this without sounding uh, full of myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, I try to keep my ego out of riding uh, to a certain degree. Uh, I try to let when people take off and I'm just maybe not in the mood or not feeling in the zone, making sure that, you know, I'm, I'm not like, oh, you know, maybe I'm really tired. Maybe I didn't sleep well the night before or something like that. And I'm just not, or I'm not wearing the right gear. Um, and I don't want to take off and go, you know, 80 miles an hour down a cur- curvy road. I'll put that behind me and just be like, that's fine. They're having their fun. I'm yeah. enjoying the scenery, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. That kind of thing. So, I think that's I think that's an important way to embrace. You're all out having fun together. It doesn't mean you all have to be having fun at the same pace. Yeah. It just means you're all experiencing the road... The ride, the camaraderie. camaraderie. <laughs> That's a hard one. Camaraderie. And you're just, you know, having fun. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, we stopped a bunch of times where I was just like, because we didn't have, not everyone had communicators. Uh, it was just you and me. There were a bunch of times where it was just like, you know, hey, um, you know, I saw a bunch of food trucks. Do we want to still get Mexican? Or, is, or, you know, is anyone feeling the food trucks right now? Like, what's going on? How's the group feeling? And, uh, you know, just... That's one of the reasons I think communicators are also super handy. Um, yeah. You can make those kind of calls without stopping. But, like, we definitely stopped a lot more than if I had done that ride by myself. Yeah. I'm not sure I ever would have stopped. But, um, you know. Anyway, yeah. I feel like I've been talking a long time about this. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, one of my other arguments for putting faster riders in front is that if someone is more experienced and doesn't mind going a little bit slower, then it can be really handy for teaching someone who's a little bit newer things like, I like to take this kind of line, Mm -hmm. and you can allow the person behind you to really learn a lot from what you have to teach them. Yeah. And I think that's very, very important for not only making people faster, safer, better riders, 
that's that's Nick Einach, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but to to allow them to not feel like they're being left behind. Yeah. Because really, the feeling of being left behind is one of those motivating factors just because that's kind of human nature so you know there 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 really are arguments for both sides for sure and i think that it's just it's a little bit tough to be able to make the right decision for everyone yeah yeah so it's definitely something you have to come up with with your group um sometimes I, i i know people who um, one person might be faster, but they prefer to be at the back of the group for whatever reason. And um, they choose to, instead of, um, you know, leaving the group by accelerating away from the group, they will go much slower than everyone else in the group to create a gap, and they'll catch up in that gap. Yeah. So, um, personally, I find doing that aggravating (laughs) Um, having to like just slow way down just so I can have a little bit of fun and then you misjudge it and you catch up and all the turn and you get up behind him and you're like oh I got my way (laughs) Um, but uh, yeah I mean I I do know people who prefer that yeah so yeah so so Derek yeah before the ride uh would you say that you got into the zone? <laughs> I um I don't I mean so okay yeah ab- about getting into the zone. Um, I talked with a few of my friends and I talked with you about what you do to get into the zone and I talked with a few other people. Um, and a lot of people had different responses. Um, a friend of mine, uh, who we've talked about on the show, Jeremy, told me that he doesn't consume alcohol. He doesn't consume caffeine before um, he knows he's going to be out going for, you know, um, a brisk ride. Uh, And um, he goes over his cornering techniques in his head and um, practices, uh, like, moving his body on the bike. Mm -hmm. And that gets him in the zone. Um, You had something similar. What do you do? So... I don't have quite a specific style of anything, you know, I I don't I don't specifically choose certain things that I do before every ride besides getting all my gear on. But in that process of getting the gear on, I find that it does help me get into the zone just because kind of like how a lot of people find the difference between driving a car and riding a bike to be something that in and of itself tells you, hey, this is really, really different. For me, it's putting on the jacket, putting on the pants to kind of put myself into that mindset already to be to be in, in the, the thinking that I'm going to be doing something that is potentially dangerous. So I need to clear out all the thoughts from the day, you know, anything that I was thinking about needs to be cleared out and I need to think about what I want to work on on this ride. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't remember who it was that said it, but there's basically this theory that, you know, every time you go out on a ride, you want to think about what do I want to work on on this ride? You know, is Mm -hmm. it... 
Do you want to work on body position? Do you want to work on uh, counter steering? Do you want to work on looking through the corner? Anything like that. You know, don't try to do it all at once. Just kind of say, I want to focus on one specific aspect of riding a motorcycle today. And obviously, you're going to do all of it. Yeah. But you want to focus on one thing. And that's part of what I do is I want to focus on waiting the opposite peg. I want to focus on getting getting my butt slightly off the seat today. Or I want to focus on whatever, right? And just in the process of getting ready, that's kind of how how I get into the mindset and into the zone. Um, so... For for me, uh, which is which I found very odd, um, a lot of the people had very similar responses that they, you know, they they go through the ride mentally. Um, a friend of mine is saying that on on the track, uh, he kind of mentally goes over each of the corners before, you know, uh, getting out on the track. And um, I don't I don't find myself doing any of those things. Um, for me. Uh, and this might be because of, uh, I used to play a lot of video games on, like, a competitive level. Um, for me, it's music. Mm-hmm. I need to have, uh, good music. I mean, it, doesn't, it just has to be, well, yeah, it's good music to me. It's music I like, right? <laughs> um, good is a very, uh, subjective term. But, um... Doing that, it, it creates kind of a, a, you know, a beat in my head that I can use to kind of plan out and think ahead and um, get an idea of creating my own personal rhythm while riding. And I find that that really, really helps me get into the zone and become really smooth. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm not in the zone, like, uh, it's way easier for me to make a mistake when yeah. I'm not in the zone. And if I'm riding and riding at like a slower pace or not focusing on something, that's when my guard slips and I can, I can make a mistake. Um... So what I've done is um, each of us have kind of come up with our ways of getting focused. So um, attached in the show notes are going to be two playlists that I've created um, that help me get in the zone when I'm riding. And Brian will have kind of a description of of what he does um, when he gets ready to, to go out on a ride. Um, the other thing that I do, I mean, I, I do think about my body positioning and stuff like that, but what I do is it's usually right before I get into a technical section, Mm -hmm. I'll just kind of lean the bike left, lean it right, let it shift underneath me a little bit, lean in toward the mirrors, make sure I have my, you know, muscle memory. And then it's kind of like immediately after that, it's just go. Yeah. And, um, I describe if people ask me it's like I've had a couple of people ask me about like where my head is at when I'm riding quickly yeah and um, it's literally nowhere it's like just clapping monkey (laughs) empty and like all I'm thinking about is the next 
you know, quarter to full second of yeah. road. That's all. Um, yeah. So that's, I mean, that's what I do to get focused. Yeah. So yeah. I just want to point out, uh, I don't know why we need to list the the playlist in the show notes when it's just two songs. So the it's first two song, songs. Oh. The first song. <laughs> so it's just two songs that... You know, the first song repeats itself, and then the second song repeats itself on loop. So the first song is Danger Zone, and then okay. the second song is Staying Alive. Neither of those are in my <laughs> playlists. As you're suiting up, Ugh. it's getting into the Danger Zone, and then as you're ready, you're just trying to, you know, you just... <laughs> Stay alive. <laughs> Neither of those would put me in the zone. <laughs> at all um yeah so i i came up with two playlists uh one is uh, they they're not named great because they're definitely not quite what i named them um one is like edm electronic dance music but a lot of it's like hip-hop uh it's like a mix between the two um and then the other one is metal but it's definitely like a mix between rock and metal and there's like one song in there that's a little bit the first song in that album is from a recent video game that just came out and it's like this kind of like synth metal and it's definitely like in between EDM and metal. <laughs> um, it's really, I really enjoy it. Um, but, uh, it's weird. Um, and then like, you know, uh, I think there's some, there's some tenacious D in the metal <laughs> and you know, then there's, uh, like logic in EDM. So, it, there's a little bit of crossover there, but those are the those are the kinds of songs that I like to listen to, things that are very kind of aggressive beats, fast beats, um, like kind of very uh, confident kind of songs you want to have playing like when you show up somewhere, <laughs> like you know like walking to the club. I got yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so. Yeah, give them a listen if you want. Um, if not, you know, whatever. But if, if you are that kind of person, maybe it'll inspire some people to create their own in-the-zone playlists. So, yeah. Yeah. And if you do create one, uh, go ahead and uh, share it with us. Yeah, we'd love to hear if you have any music or anything that you like that gets you in the zone. If there's anything any of your own specific kind of rituals or anything like that. Yeah. So do you feel that, Derek? Do you do you feel it? I feel a little chill in the air. I think it's cooling down a little bit right now. It, it is. <laughs> it is definitely cooling down. Uh your segues are on point today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My my segues, mm, very good today, alright? <laughs> uh but right. yeah, so now that the temperatures are dropping and we're kind of getting into middle middle of fall, yeah. uh, getting a little bit depending closer. Depending where you are to, in the country. Yeah, yeah, depending where you are. If you're in, you know, Southern California or Southern Texas, you probably just... You have no idea what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but we're getting real close to snow time. Yeah. And some people really like to continue to ride throughout the winter if they can. Yep. Obviously, if there's 10 feet of snow on the ground, that's 
probably a little bit challenging, so this also might not apply to those of you in northern Canada or Siberia, but there are a lot of techniques that people can employ, whether you need, you need to continue riding because it's your only mode of transportation, or you just love riding and you can't stand putting away your motorcycle for four, five, eight months out of the year. Yeah. So we're going to kind of talk a little bit about how you can continue to ride just from a you physically standpoint. Yeah. Whether your bike is capable or not is not what we're going to tackle. So we're just going to kind of talk about what we do to stay warm if yeah. the temperatures drop a little bit. So I think you said that you you can ride below 40. I haven't tried anything. I can ride below freezing. Yeah, I haven't uh, yeah. I haven't gone on any rides much below maybe about 40. I think is about as far as I know, I haven't actually tried anything below 40 yet. But I think that there are definitely plenty of people that have already packed away their bikes by the time it hits like 60. Yeah, yeah. I've I've taken out the bike uh on days with like zero um and like low tens. Uh, yeah. teens so um key always uh wind is the enemy yep so you want to make sure that there's no way for wind to get inside your your suit yep um Con- for convection steals much more heat than conduction yes yeah so preventing wind from getting through is the biggest thing first of all exactly um for a lot of my coldest weather riding it it i didn't have heated gear at that point um so it was some sort of cotton t-shirt uh my inner liner for my jacket which has a reflective uh, like a micro dot inner liner yep. uh it's like a reflective ceramic that reflects heat back at your body um the jacket itself and then the included rain jacket uh and then snowmobile gloves with full gauntlets that can go over the over the the wrist section for the rain suit and then cinch those down tight uh that's for the upper body for the lower body pajamas jeans motorcycle pants nice thick socks into my boots yeah um my feet never got too cold um they sometimes they do get wet uh, I need to get new boots so that's gonna be an issue but usually when I'm riding in the winter and it's really really cold the roads aren't wet because if they were wet they'd, they'd be, be extremely salty or ice yeah. so I'm not too concerned about water um, so yeah I think the the one like big thing is like that people don't realize are um, oh overgrips I've never used them uh, but like Oxford makes these like things that you put your gloves inside. They go over your yeah. controls, and then you put your hands inside them. Yeah, they look so, like really, really big mitts. Yeah, that just stay on your bike. Yeah, yeah. I might actually pick up a set of those. They're not too expensive. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fortnite has a very, very funny segment where he talks about it, mm-hmm. where he said that they look really dumb, but the people that put them on put more miles onto their scooter than you do in a year, yeah. uh, in one week than you do in a year. 
so shut up. <laughs> yeah. They look stupid, but if they work, they work. Yes, exactly. Um, it, apparently those work amazingly if you have heated grips because they just kind of keep that hot air in there. Yeah. Um, heated grips are apparently amazing. I've, I've never had the pleasure of using heated grips, yeah. but apparently, like, if you use heated grips, you wouldn't even need to use... Um, snowmobile gloves at least not in normal 40 degree temperature i imagine in the lower teens um getting down to zero fahrenheit that would be uh probably you'd still probably want to have motorcycle or um snowmobile gloves yeah um let's talk about the pajama thing so oh yeah nice fleece pajamas it's like wearing cats on your leg (laughs) It's just like, I, I oh. wouldn't know what wearing cats is like. So uh, yeah, well, if you look at her Instagram, you'll see Brian uh, with Maggie on his leg, <laughs> uh, just he's just petting the cat. It's very cute. But yeah, so last winter you introduced me to this, I guess, concept where you just use fleece pajamas mm-hmm. and you put you know long long sleep long fleece long pajamas i guess and you just put them on underneath your motorcycle pants and that's that's about what i can do i can't really do jeans and well yeah i have those huge pants yeah your your pants are are, yeah your pants are much baggier than mine yeah so i can't really do that it it the the fleece pajamas is already kind of like right at that perfect limit because otherwise my my boots get a little bit hard to to fully um, zip up mm-hmm. like that but that That's is the a, other thing is yeah. that for winter riding especially if you're doing the fleece what makes fleece so warm isn't really the material it's made out of it's because it's so fibrous and fluffy yeah. uh, what it does is it, it helps preserve it's like hair it helps preserve a, a uh, boundary layer of air yeah. between your skin and the outside of the pajamas yeah. um, so having a slightly baggier uh, set of clothes is really beneficial because it helps you create um, an area of insulated air yeah. that your body heats up and it keeps your body warm. Yeah. Um, it's the same thing. It's literally the same concept as like body hair. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But really, since convection steals more heat than conduction, mm-hmm. it's really, really important to make sure that air doesn't get in through any gaps or anything so you know the biggest thing that i find helps the most is some kind of waterproof uh rain shell sort of yeah and then you put that on the outside of all your gear so that wind doesn't get through it yeah that is the most important thing is to have good rain gear that can fit over your baggy gear yeah um, you don't want it to be a tight fit. You also don't really want to be riding around looking like the Michelin Man. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> when you're riding, uh, it, it, your your upper body creates a low pressure area around like around you and behind your back, and it'll cause your even if there's no air getting in or very little air getting in, it will cause your jacket to puff out. Yeah. So um, yeah, but, just be aware, and then you can't it gets in the way of your mirrors and yeah. All that stuff. But also, if you're wearing 
too many things and it can kind of make it hard to bend everything properly you know like yeah. your elbows your arms might not have full range of motion all these things it's really really important to make sure that you can still move in all your gear and be able to stay warm exactly so one trick that i know that some people use is newspaper they kind of if you crumple it up you kind of get that same effect of creating those little pockets of air so you can you know just stick crumpled up newspaper inside your the front of your jacket you mm -hmm. know down your pants whatever and i hear it works i haven't tried it because it seems like it wouldn't work very well if it also gets wet mm -hmm. just because then all of the water is gonna steal all your heat so i guess if you're in a pinch that is something that i have heard works i i don't know if i can recommend it yeah <laughs> So I do have, um, uh, I, so I do have one recommendation, and it's it's an oddball one. Uh, a lot of people like to have hand warmers and glove warmers and things like that. I think they're great. Problem is they last really long periods of time, uh, and sometimes they can get way too hot. Mm -hmm. um, and then also they take a while to actually get warm. I almost, I don't know. I I'm one of those people who like I I can use a hand warmer and I'm like, this is still cold. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, and also they need air to, to operate. So if you put them inside your glove and then you seal off your glove from air getting in, it's going to slow down the rate of oxidation and the, the hand warmers are less effective. Mm -hmm. I found this product. They are little plastic bags. I think I have some here that I can show you. Um, they're like a plastic hand warmer mm -hmm. with a little metal disc inside and they're filled with I believe it's salt and like a vinegar composition I'm not exactly sure but when you click the disc it creates a nucleation point inside the bag mm -hmm. and it causes it to crystallize and when it crystallizes it it gives off heat and um, they're a really really good emergency hand warmer Mm -hmm. They're reusable. You just boil them in water and let them sit. And then you put them in your pocket. And then if you get somewhere or your hands are getting too cold, you can quickly just click the button. They instantly uh, crystallize. And then you can throw them in your glove. You can hold them in your hands when you get somewhere, you know, to keep your hands warm, that kind of thing. You can throw them in your boots. Right. Um, they're a really, really good product. Cool. Yeah, yeah, so I don't remember the exact name. They're sold under a bunch of different brands. Um, if you look up, probably uh, reusable hand warmer, uh, that will probably get you to the right location. I know so there are some electric ones. I've never used them. Mm -hmm. Zippo has one that they say is is pretty good. I've never used that. So, um, but that's that's one I really like. Yeah. So let's talk about keeping your hands warm. Yeah. Which you, is really critical. Yeah, very, um, very important. Yes. So we and already easier talked, to do on some bikes than others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we already talked about the overgrips. We talked about the snowmobile gloves. And if you're like me and you're kind of poor, then going out and buying another pair of gloves might not really be in your budget. Yeah. So what I find has worked decently well is some under under gloves that you just wear as an extra layer like a glove liner yeah just, yeah just 
and just a, a glove liner that is that was really loud <laughs> yeah yeah that will kind of work to the same effect as those fleece pajamas in your pants and obviously depending on what kind of hardware your bike has they may or may not be quite as effective if there's a lot of wind getting to your hands but it works decently well for me as long as the ride isn't very long you know as long as it's not more than maybe 45 minutes to an hour otherwise then your hands are just gonna get really really cold anyways but those work really well they're only like a $20 investment if you're the kind of person that knows though that you don't like having extra material between you and your grip like then, me. Yeah. then it won't be for you so don't don't go out and spend that money if you know that you're that kind of person because it's just not going to be worth it. But other than that, the other trick is that you can use oversized nitrile gloves. So on the outside. Yeah, on the don't outside. Don't use nitrile gloves on the inside because you're going to get somewhere and your hands are going to be all sweaty and pruney and gross. Yeah. And they're yeah. going to smell funny. <laughs> and it's, it's going to be disgusting. It's disgusting. And then it's going to make your hands colder anyways as well. Yeah. So if you do do the glove liner thing then you can either put it between your glove liner and your glove if for some reason you don't have gloves that will be large enough to fit on the outside of your riding gloves then that could work i haven't tried that but i'm sure that it's probably fine because mm -hmm. the your glove liner should be able to kind of help wick away some of the sweat and all that yeah it might not be as effective, but it should work. It also works really great if it's wet because, you know, nitrile gloves are intended to prevent things like bodily fluids from going through them. So water obviously will not go through them as well, which means that if it's really rainy, then your hands won't get cold and wet and then that'll make them worse. So uh, yeah, I've, I've also seen people use, uh, oversized mittens. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't like mittens even not on a motorcycle i do not like having four of my fingers as one giant <laughs> finger like, you just become a lego person is yeah what it is. yeah mittens are a ridiculous concept that yeah i've seen people do it and they say they like it but ever since i was a little kid i could not i hated mittens yeah um, and some people just use snow gloves I hate that. Yeah. Because not, not that it's a bad idea for keeping your hands warm, but it's just... It, they're just not safe. Yeah. It doesn't have any protection against if, you, if something happens, and there's literally no armor. They're not, they're, they're not made for that, so they're not going to have any kind of uh, abrasion resistance. So it's just, it's really, really not safe. I really don't recommend it unless you are, you know, 50 miles out in the wilderness and you literally have nothing else. Yeah. So, you know, obviously do whatever is safest. If you feel that you absolutely must, then I can't stop you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just some dude on the internet. <laughs> but I personally recommend either snowmobile gloves if you can afford them or 
layering. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, or, I mean, yeah, or an overglove. Yeah. There are companies that make them. Um, yeah, so uh, really the one weak spot really is the shoe. There's not much you can do for cold feet other than using uh, like heated uh, foot pads and things like that in your mm -hmm. boots. Um, we were watching Long Way Up, uh, minor spoiler. Um, they're in some cold weather. I think and we, we probably put, already talked about, about we, it a little bit. We probably did. It, some people may have skipped that episode and not listened to it knowing that there were spoilers. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So, minor spoiler, uh, they're riding in very cold weather, and they decide to rip up a um, space blanket. Yeah. And use, like, they, they put on their socks, they then take this mylar reflective blanket and put it over their foot, and then put their foot in their boot. So, I've heard people talking about using, like, plastic bags, like getting a, a grocery bag. Yeah putting their foot in it and putting in their boot I feel like that's got to get really wet Maybe. I, it's uh, I, I don't know I have sweaty feet I guess but yeah, I, that doesn't sound very comfortable to me the reflective nature of the emergency blanket would definitely provide better heat mm -hmm. uh, for your feet um, again I think well, at least for me, when I'm riding in really cold weather, my rides are usually less than 40 minutes total. Yeah. Um, the other, uh, the, and the other thing about it is um, you want to make sure that you can be comfortable and plan enough time. If you're like doing things like riding to work in the dead of winter and you're wearing three pairs of pants and four like you know four things uh, well my, luckily my my jacket the whole configuration of my jacket comes off as one giant piece because everything zips together yeah so i can just take off the jacket no problem but if i'm wearing like pjs khakis and my motorcycle pants then all of that needs to come off you know, and then, like, I'm not wearing my PJs and my khakis all day in a warm office. Yeah. That's just not going to work out. So, make sure you plan time before and after your ride to get dressed in this, you know, multi-layer monstrosity. Um, that way you're not uh, getting stressed out about time and, and things yeah. like that. That's yeah. one of my last, uh, I think tips on winter riding is just be prepared oh also you can make your own heated jacket yeah uh, that's something i've mentioned is that i have a custom made heated jacket that dave made me and um it's great uh he he i needed a custom made jacket because i use a um a sensor for my blood sugar and if that sensor gets too cold it will drop my blood sugar it doesn't actually drop my blood sugar, it but it reads, thinks yeah. it reads the blood sugar is low. And I've had my doctor call me when it hits zero, and she's <laughs> like, "Hey, Derek, your blood sugar is zero. Are you alive?" And it's like, "Yes, I'm riding my motorcycle, and it's like ten degrees outside." And she's like, "Okay, well, as long as you're not dead, have fun, <laughs> bye." You know, and I'm like on my way to class, and you know, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, you don't want. Uh, so I had to have something that had the heat come. Most of the heated jackets just do a vest. Yeah. I needed heat to come down part of the way down to my elbows. Yeah. Um, so you can make them. It's not hard. Um, they have this kind of shielded nichrome wire that you can run through your jacket, and um, there's some guides online on how to do it. Um, so yeah, definitely take a hoodie. Um, you had a hoodie that you liked. Yeah. Tell us about that. It was a battery heated yeah, jacket. Yeah, it's a battery right? heated jacket. I I don't think I'm going to use it very much for riding just because I kind of expected that it would be a little bit thinner maybe. Okay. And have a little bit more heating area because it really only heats kind of your chest in a circle like a circle around your chest and then around to your back mm -hmm. and it goes down to maybe your sternum yeah so i was kind of hoping that it would be a little bit more i haven't i haven't tried it for riding yet yeah but i just kind of have a feeling that it's not going to be quite what i expected but it works really great for just walk to class so. that's nice yeah yeah um so one thing i do have to say is if you are going to make your own heated jacket being that you're on a motorcycle you should focus on the areas that are designed to carry heat away from your body so concentrate extra uh, heating elements in areas of the armpit behind your neck and uh or behind your neck and in front of your neck and then also you know make sure you get a couple lower down on your stomach but if you can keep the areas that are have high blood flow warm, you're going to keep heat circulating through your body better. Yeah. So, um, I know Dave focused real, <laughs> real hard on the back of my neck and, uh, it gets, sometimes it gets a little too hot back there. <laughs> um, especially when I was having a couple issues originally with the jacket. Um, but, uh, now that we've got those figured out, um, that, that doesn't happen as much, but yeah. definitely if you're going to make your own jacket, do it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Figure uh, out where you would, where you need heat, especially if you already have the gear and you're modifying an existing jacket. Yeah, figure out where you're getting cold, add heat to those areas, and uh, you can you can make them run off a cigarette lighter or directly connect to the battery, all sorts of things like that. Yeah. Besides that, I highly recommend wool. Um, it's uh, merino wool is very very useful and you and your italian things is merino italian isn't it i think it's just like a special sheep i don't I know i thought it was a region oh yeah maybe I don't yeah, all i know yeah. is it's called merino wool and it's supposed to be really really great for keeping uh warmth in while not being that like scratchy feeling that yeah. people kind of associate with wool yeah. but you know i i cannot sing the praises enough of wool and just layering up making sure that wind can't get through and that's really kind of the 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 minimum in order to make sure that you stay warm yeah yeah and um also like if you're going to be doing a longer trip make sure you get out before your trip i i can't say this enough like just if you're planning to do a longer ride upwards of an hour Make sure you plan in time, like an extra half hour if you need to stop. Make sure you bring things like emergency, uh, you know, hand warmers, things like that. Um, just 
make sure you're prepared because you it only takes a matter of minutes at 60 miles an hour to at freezing temperatures to get hypothermia yeah it's literally a matter of minutes even at 40 degrees it's a matter of minutes yeah less than 15 minutes to start getting hypothermia and that's not good when you are in you know somewhere between cities or somewhere where it might be difficult to get uh warm or get care yeah um just make sure that you're prepared um keep some hand warmers with you uh keep uh uh yeah hand warmers uh a thermos maybe maybe a thermos of some hot just hot water in a thermos is good enough yeah um throw a tea bag in there maybe i don't know um coffee even um or soup just make sure you have some way of keeping yourself warm if you're going to be doing a trip, especially if it's, even if it's 40 degrees and it looks like it's going to rain, that rain is going to, even with all your layers, that rain is going to cool you down because it's going to get, it's going to get in around your helmet. Yep. It's going to get places it shouldn't. It's going to pool on your seat. Yep. Um, you're, you're, you're going to get wet in some places, just inevitable. Um, make sure you have an emergency method of of staying warm or giving yourself some heat returning your your body temperature yep yeah yep yeah so other than that stay safe out there we hope that some of these some of these tips are good for even if you're not riding a motorcycle and it's just windy out yeah (laughs) (laughs) it was so windy yesterday (laughs) yeah 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 but yeah so thanks for listening to another episode of the crossed up podcast we hope you enjoyed this one it was a little bit more serious yeah yeah it was um but you know we had some more serious topics Hey, thanks for listening to Cross the Podcast. We release new episodes every two weeks, and we can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Google Play, anywhere else podcasts can be found. We'd love to hear from you. There's a contact form on our website, crossedupodcast.com, and uh, maybe we'll feature what you have to say on the show. See you in two weeks.